Uh, Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 is where we're going to start today. And so would you rise to your feet? We're going to read the Word of God. We'll pray, and then we will ask uh, God to help us in understanding His truth today. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or His ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. Father, what a sobering verse. Father, we want to be able to pray with all power, with all confidence. Father, we want to see your grace and riches and kindness and strength and help flow from heaven into our lives, and through us for the glory of your name. And so, Father, I pray that as an act of mercy, God, today, that you would put your finger on anything that's hindering our prayers, anything that's getting in the way of us receiving all the good things that you have for us from your hand. Father, please do that and give us grace to obey and to say yes. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so last week, Isaiah chapter 58, uh, the people are praying, they're worshiping, they're singing, they're even fasting, they're even going without food. I know some of you uh, did some fasting this week, and so they are intently seeking the Lord, but if you remember what's happening, nothing is happening. Like God is not answering, God is not responding, they can't figure it out. Uh, God tells them in most of Isaiah chapter 58 that the problem is you don't have my heart, Right? Uh, my heart is, is for you to pour yourself out for the needy, for the poor, for the afflicted, for the destitute. You're doing none of that. Uh, at the same time, you're fasting and singing and praying. You are mistreating other people. And so there's, there's the, we got problems, right? We got problems in, in the relationship. And so they, they're calling out to God, but God is not hearing. God is not listening. God is not responding. Now, Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1 and 2 is, is combating what they think. Okay, the real problem is their heart toward God. But I... The people think the problem is with God, okay? So you'll notice in, in Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, it says, Behold, the Lord is, Lord's hand is not too short, it's not shortened that it cannot save, or is ear dull that it cannot hear. That's what they think, all right? They think the problem is with God. We're praying, we're crying out, we're, we're, we're asking God, and, and He can't help us. His arm must be too short to save us, okay? Do you understand what, what the, the picture there? God can't reach them. God can't get to them, right? We understand that. We've, you've maybe had a situation like that in your life where you wanted to help somebody, you couldn't help them. My worst memory in this campus, this very campus, my worst memory by far, is walking down that hallway about 10 years ago with my little three-year-old, and we were heading into the VBS assembly, and um, it was time for us to get started, and we were running down the hall, kind of going, going down the hall, and she's grabbing my arm. She did this a lot at that time. She'd grab my arm and I'd swing her up real high. You know, I'd swing her up and then she'd come down. We'd walk a few steps and I'd swing her up again. It's kind of like when you hold the kid's hand, you know, on both sides and you swing him, you know, except this was, she'd just grab my arm and we'd do that. Like when I was walking, she'd grab it and I'd swing her up. And I remember uh, that feeling. I was about halfway down that hall and I swung her real high and I felt her little hand slip off. And at first I was like, I'm going to get her. And then there's that realization, I'm not going to get her and I can't get her. You know, it's like chasing the ball. Have you ever thrown a baseball and then try to chase it and catch it? You know, I mean, you can't do it, you know, and that's what it was, man. I, I Slung her like that, and there she goes. You know, I'm like, ah, and I remember her little eyes like, daddy, you know, and there she goes. And she did the kind of, uh, 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 
on the carpet, you know, and she's okay, but man, I just, I felt terrible, you know, and my wife asked me that great question, you know, what were you thinking, you know, and I said, well, it's always worked before, you know, we've never had any trouble, right? That's what it means to have your arm too short, right? That's what they're saying about God. They're saying, you know, we're slipping away. We're falling away into, into Babylon. You know, the enemies are coming in and God can't save us. He can't reach us. And Isaiah 59 one says, no. God's, God's arm's not too short that it can't save. His ear's not dull that he cannot hear. That's not the problem. Right? Have you ever been somewhere and you cried out for help and nobody heard you? You ever been there? I, I remember riding when I first started biking. I was in the, one of the canyons in Roman Nose State Park, and the guys had run off and left me, and they were faster than me, and I had a horrific wreck down the canyon, and I remember crying out, you know? I mean, at first I thought, there's got to be a Metaflight helicopter come get me after this. I mean, I was, I was all twisted up my bike. I didn't know I could get unwound, you know? I'm like, Randall, you know, and there's no answer. They're, they're off. Andrew's gone. Randall's gone, you know? And, and the people, they felt that way. They're like, we're calling out to God we're all we're all in a mess here and he's not answering okay and 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 what 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 verses one and two make very clear it's not God the problem is not with God there is no deficiency in God that is never ever ever the case it's never the case that God's arm is too short and he can't get you that God's ear is too dull he can't hear you that is never the case it's never the case that God is not paying attention as you preoccupied with other matters I've heard people talk that way I've heard people say well you know God is just he's not interested in my little problems you know he's got bigger problems to, to handle and there's other people and you know God's just not here he just doesn't care about it. I feel like God's not paying attention to my family that is never ever the case in fact there's a great verse Matthew 10:30 it says this even the hairs of your head are numbered even the hairs of your head are numbered now that's not just like a trivia fact, right? Where God's like, hey, let me tell you something about yourself, you know? No, God is saying that for a purpose. He's saying, I know more about your life than you know about it. Right? There's a lot of times when our life is falling apart and we think God doesn't know, God doesn't care. No, the opposite is true. God actually knows more about that situation, more about what's going on with you and what's about to go on with you than even you know, right? That's intimate and current knowledge. Right, when you think about just, just working that out, he knows the hairs of your head. You know, if you go into the girls' bathroom and, and get their brush, and if you would, you know, have to clean out our drains, which I do frequently, you would understand that is a moving target, right? Like, like probably when you left the house, the hairs in your, on your head, it was a different number than it is today, right? Than right now, than when you're sitting here in the service, right? What, what that's saying is God knows your life. He knows everything about your life. And not only does he know, but he cares deeply. He will never, ever forget about his people. We skipped this verse. We didn't, we didn't preach on it, but in Isaiah 49, 15, it says, can a woman forget her nursing? child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb between the three services we probably have i don't know 30 or so 40 small babies in in the nursery and and during the three services and let me tell you what has not ever happened yet okay we pray that it would never happen but it's never happened that a woman would nurse her baby you know get the baby all fed birth the baby go take the baby to the nursery put the nursery in there and then, you know, go with the sermon and, they, you know, go out to eat and, you know, go for their run and do yard work and have a great night's rest tonight and 
wake up in the morning, boy, I'm really refreshed. I feel great, you know, and, and go through Tuesday, go to work, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, about noon, they run into a church member. How's the new baby? They're like, new baby. The new baby. Oh, no, you know, that's a church nursery. You know, that hasn't ever happened. We've never had to call somebody and say, hey, you forgot your baby, you know. I mean, not yet. Why? Because God is picking, in Isaiah 49, 15, God is picking a relationship in which people don't forget, right? But you know what he says? Even these may forget. It's possible, isn't it? It's possible. Like, have you ever wondered, could we push mom too far? You know, I mean, I think, I think my kids have wondered that, you know? Like, would, would, it, would something break, you know, something snap, and you'd be able to hear it audibly, and then mom would be over the edge, all right? Could that happen? Yeah, I think it could, actually. Even these may forget, but listen, yet I will not forget you. God just said that. I will not forget. And then look at the next line, verse 16. Behold, I've engraved you on the palms of my hand. What did Michelle just sing? That's right. My name is written on his hand. Right? He knows you. He knows you. He knows your situation. He's never far away. He always is able to, to help. And he's a good father. In, Mark, in Matthew chapter 7, there's a passage about prayer. It says, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it'll be opened to you. It's a, it's a passage urging you to pray. It says, everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. The one who knocks will be open. Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? How many are going to do that at lunch today? You know, take him out. You get pizza. They get a rock, you know. Verse 10, if he asks for a fish, he'll give him a serpent. You know, you, you have a fish sandwich and you put a, a viper on their plate. No, no dad does that. I hope not. Verse 11, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who's in heaven give good things to those who ask? You see, it's, it's not God. That, that's what Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 say. It's not God. It's not that God is not listening. It's not that he can't help. It's not that he's not good. In fact, in fact the opposite is true. In Luke chapter 18, we don't have time to go over it, but in Luke 18, there is a tremendously great passage. First eight verses, I believe. And the passage, the point of the passage, and we're certain about this because Jesus tells us, is, is that this, that you would pray relentlessly. That's what God wants of you. He wants you to come to him just like badger him, you know, bother him, come to him. Why? Because he can't be bothered, right? He, he has a capacity that is far beyond your ability to, 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 to empty it. God says, I want you to come to me with relentless effort in prayer. Psalm 50 tells us that we honor him when we pray. And so you have a good God whose arm is never too short, who, whose ear is never too dull, who always hears, who's always able, who always wants us to come, who's completely willing. That's your Father in heaven. So the question comes back to this. So what about unanswered prayer? Well, first of all, some people don't have a relationship with God that is a father-child relationship. Okay, so we've got to start there. So when we think about unanswered prayer, why at times does God's hand seem too short or his ears too dull? Why, why does he sometimes not listen? Okay, well, the first thing we need to say is some people are actively rejecting Jesus Christ while they are praying. Now, how do I know that's true? I know it from the Bible, but I have personal experience with that. For 18 years of my life, I was actively rejecting Jesus. Like, 
I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have described it that way. But I was saying no to his word. No, 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 no. I, I don't, I don't want to listen to you. I'm not going to obey you. I'm not going to follow you. I'm not going to be like you. No, no, no. But at the same time, I would still pray. When I got in a pinch, when I got into trouble, I'd still pray. And so, and so I know that people that don't know Jesus do because I did. All right, now, how should we think of that? Well, does God ever answer those prayers? You know, some people have said no, that God never answers the prayer of someone without without who doesn't, doesn't know him as, as their Lord and Savior. Here's what I would say. I don't think we can say that because my God does whatever he wants, right? I mean, like, he, like I don't think you can box him in and say he can't ever answer a prayer. He does whatever he wants. And so could he answer a prayer? Absolutely, if he wanted to. You know, if he, if he wants to do that, you know, to, down the road, he's going to work in your life. So, sure, he could. But, but here's what you have to understand. The promises of the Bible don't apply to you, okay? Because you are in active opposition to God. You're an enemy. You're not a child. You're an enemy. You, and, and you put yourself there. Like you are constantly rejecting him, his son, and the entire plan of the universe while you're asking him for things. And by the way, when you think about the scope of that, when you think about that your very eternal life hangs in the balance over hell, and you're rejecting everything he wants to give you and asking him for other things. It'd be like if you and I were hiking, you know, and we're up on a mountain and there's a 2,000 foot cliff and we're right there on the edge and you get too close and you slip and you slide over the edge and you having to grab just a branch just sticking out just a couple feet from the top of that cliff and you're suspended over 2,000 feet you know about to fall to your death and I I drop to my belly and lean over the edge and offer you my hand and say reach out grab it I'll I'll save you and you say as you're hanging there do you have a tic-tac I need something to suck on. Do you have a, a lifesaver, gum? Fred, did you run into Fred today? You know, do you have something? I mean, that's what it's like, isn't it? Like, like you're, you're going to go to hell. And God's trying to save you. And you're saying no and ignoring him and asking for other things. And so, so I think what the Bible would say, first of all, is there are times where you know, it's not that God's hand is too short. It's not that his ear is too dull. It's, it's none of that. It's the fact that you are rejecting everything God's trying to give you. So that's one category of an answer prayer. Now, what about believers? Okay, because, again, as we look at God's people, even in the Old Testament, uh, let me give you an example. Isaiah 1, 15 says, When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. And here in Isaiah 59, again, he's talking to God's people. He's saying, you know, it's not, it's not that God's hand is too short. It's not that his ears are too dull. But your iniquities, your sin has made a separation between you and your God. Psalm 66, 18. If you cherish iniquity in your heart, the Lord will not hear. And so there's, there's a reality where sin can hinder us from receiving God's power and goodness in prayer. Now, well, let's think about that, though. It can't be that any time a sinner prays that God won't answer. Why? Because has there ever been a prayer uttered in the entire human existence that wasn't by a sinner, right? I, I mean, every prayer that I've ever uttered has been, even since my conversion, I mean, the, I prayed this morning. I prayed coming over here. I'm a sinner, right? And so it's, it's, not, it's not that we're sinners and so our prayers can't be answered. 
No, that's not the case at all, because what do we know about the gospel? The gospel tells us that Jesus Christ has purchased our ability to come boldly before the throne of grace. Hebrews 4.16 says, come, come, you know, through Christ we come boldly to the throne of grace to find mercy and help in time of need. The gospel is that I receive Jesus' righteous life and my sin gets put on him and I can be made clean and so I, I have access to God. And so it's not, it's not the fact that I'm a sinner, but it is the fact that I have unrepentant sin in my life that will hinder my ability to pray and my ability to receive answered prayers. And I want you to hear this out. That is a big deal, okay? That's a huge deal. We're going to stop right here, and we're going to, we're going to try to nail down why what, what we're about to look at through the New Testament is such an incredibly big deal, and it's because I need God. Okay, I won't speak for you. Maybe you think something different, but let me speak for me. I desperately need God. Like, I can't do anything of spiritual or eternal value, not one little thing, without the power of God, without the moving of God in my life. I desperately need Him. I mean, I've got, I've got six kids right now, and I, I want them to go to heaven, okay? I don't know, parents, grandparents, can you identify with that? I want them to go. I want them to know Jesus. I, I, I desperately want that, but here's what I'm really aware of. I can't do that for them. Now, I can speak truth, and we can have Monday morning Bible study, and we can, we can, I, I can do all of those things, but I am desperately aware that I cannot wash away their sins. I cannot join them to Christ. I do not have that ability, but my Father in heaven does, and He has told me I can come to Him. I can't sanctify my wife. I love her more than anybody else in the world, and I, I, can't, I can't sanctify her. I, I can't. I cannot make her happy in the Lord. I can't do that for her. I can't satisfy her soul. I can't enable and empower her to be what, what, what God needs her to be for our kids. I can't empower her to, to, to face every hardship and suffering and trial that this life might bring. I can't do that for her. But my Father in heaven can, and He has told me I can come and ask Him, and He will answer me. Man, I can't know the thousands of small and large decisions that I'll need to make for my family over the next 10, 20 years. I cannot know those things. I don't know. Maybe you're here today and you feel perfectly confident in that. You know, you're one of those guys. Man, I always make the right decision. You know, I always do the right thing. Man, I'm smart as a whip. You know, ask everybody. I, I, maybe that's you. I don't know. I'm just telling you about me. I don't know. Like, I realize the decisions I make could have lasting eternal consequences. I, I realize that. And I don't know the answer to all those but my Father in heaven does. And he's told me that I can come to him for wisdom and he'll give me wisdom. Listen, I, I can't get peace when my world is unraveling. And here's, here's one thing I know. I cannot love difficult people when they hurt me and my family. Right? Like, I don't have an engine for that. I don't have the fuel for that. I don't have the ability. I don't, do you? Like, when people hurt you and your family, can you go back and love them? I, I can't do that. But my Father... He can give me power to do that. that that's, that's, the evidence that that's why people don't stay in the church. And they cannot handle it. When they get hurt, they can't forgive. They can't get over it. But here's what I know. My father, he, he can help me. Man, I can't empower my friend to persevere through the next three decades in a difficult marriage. I can't make my church rise to sacrifice for the advancement of the kingdom of God in the world. I can't solve all the problems of the poor. I can't heal the wounds of the abused. I can't break the chains of the addicted. I mean, we could literally go on for another hour, couldn't we, on things we cannot do. But our Father in heaven can. 
Right? And we can ask Him. We can pray. And so the very thought that there are things that will hinder our ability to come to our Father and to ask Him for all of those things is something I want to perk my ears up to. Because I don't want my prayers to be hindered. Okay, so what does it mean? What does it mean when it says your sins have hidden His face from Him? Now again, not all sinners, but unrepentant sinners. Okay, so there's something there. There's something about unrepentant sin. There's something about when we, when we won't respond to God's correction, when we won't deal with our sin, when, when our life's out of whack and the Spirit of God's speaking to us and we're saying no and we're putting Him off and we're saying no, 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 no. There's something about doing that that will hinder your ability to pray and your ability to receive from God's hand all that you need. Okay, so let's look at some examples of that in the Bible. The first one we're going to look at is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness, all right? So Matthew chapter 6, here's what happens. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, I'm going to teach you how to pray, okay? That's a good thing, right? We want to learn to pray from Jesus. So he says in verse 9, pray then like this, and then he gives us the Lord's Prayer, right? Maybe you've memorized it, okay? I hope you have, and I hope you pray it sometimes, but even better, I hope you use the Lord's Prayer as categories, right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In other words, you ought to praise God in your prayer. In your, in your prayer time, you ought to have sections where you're like, God, you are good, and you are glorious, and you are great, and you're, you're fantastic, and you're awesome, and you're sovereign above all things. God, your hand controls the world. You ought to praise God. Hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You ought to be praying that God's kingdom, that his will would be accomplished in your life, and in your kids, and your grandkids, and your family, and your friends, and your work, and your church. You ought to be praying for that. Give us this day our daily bread. You ought to be asking God for your daily needs. God, I, I I need you. I need wisdom. I need help. I need, we need food. We need provision. We need a job. We need finances. That's good to pray for those things. You forgive us our debts as we forgive those who, who, who are debtors against us, those who sin against us. You ought to be praying that God would forgive you and enable you to forgive other people. You know, lead us not into temptation. You ought to be praying for areas in your life that you keep falling. You ought to pray. And then Jesus ends that section in verse 14 and 15. And he says this, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. All right, do you, do you see that? Pray like this. He shows you how to pray. And then he finishes by saying, and by the way, if you won't forgive, you're going to hinder God's grace coming into your life. Now, I know what you're saying. You're saying, oh, pastor, that is coincidence that those two verses happen to be at the end of the Lord's Prayer. That's just completely coincidence. Jesus actually stopped after the Lord's Prayer, and he went and took a nap, and then he came back, and he started preaching about forgiveness, okay? Well, I'm not going to argue with you, because I'll just turn to Mark 11, all right? I don't need to argue with you. Mark 11, in a, in a passage about faith and not doubting, says this, as he ends that passage about faith and not doubting, in verse 25 says, Whenever you stand praying... Okay, so what, what's happening here? Someone stands up to pray. Forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who's in heaven may forgive your trespasses. All right, need, do we need any more evidence? I don't think we do, do we? What's this saying? Man, if you can't forgive people, that will hinder your ability to pray and your ability to receive from God's hand the riches that you need, the help and the power that you need. Now, why is that? Well, let's, let's just look back. Let's think back last week, Isaiah 58. What was hindering them from receiving God's help? Well, it was that they didn't have God's heart, right? 
They, they, they were the poor people who cried out to God and said, God, we need you. We need your mercy. We, we don't have anything to offer. We need you. And God had given them grace. He made them his people, right? That's what salvation is. Salvation is when you say, look, I'm, I'm the guy who's poor in spirit, right? I'm the guy who's got nothing. I'm the guy that needs you, Jesus. Please help me. But then they were walking out from their prayer and they were seeing an actual poor man. And they were like, man, you're not getting nothing from me, you know. I'm not helping you. And they weren't giving, they weren't loving, they weren't, they weren't engaging, they weren't pouring themselves out for other people. They, 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 were, they, were, they were fasting and praying and then going and fighting and quarreling. And God said, man, I'm going to listen to that. Okay, how much more with forgiveness? How much you been forgiven today? One sin, two sins, three sins? In the last hour? Millions? In your life? Sins you're going to commit that you don't even know about yet? What'd you pay to get that done? Use your credit card? You put it on credit? What'd you do? Nothing. Nothing. Could you? You came empty handed and you pleaded with Jesus who paid your penalty and lived the perfect life in your place. And God, through his mercy and grace, dumped eternal life on you. Okay, now, what are we saying when we turn around and say, but I will not forgive? Can you do that? Can, can, you, can you open your hands wide and clap and say, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for washing away my sins. Thank you. You're so awesome, Jesus. You're incredible. I mean, I wish everybody was like you. I, I love you. You're the best. And then turn around and say, I'm going to be nothing like you, though. I'm going to be the opposite of you because I'm not going to forgive this. When we do things like that, we hinder our prayers. We hinder them. We, we hinder our ability to pray and our ability to be heard in our prayers. So number one, unforgiveness. Number two, selfishness. We're going to be in James a couple times this morning. So James chapter 4, listen to this. This is a great passage, 4, 1 through 4. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? What a great question, right? Why, why do people have conflicts? All right, well, here he answers it. Is it not this, that your passions, okay, your desires, are at war within you? You desire and don't have, so you murder, okay? Not everybody pulls out a gun or a knife, right? But you remember what Jesus said about murder? You know, like when you hate somebody, when you want them to hurt them in your heart, what is that? That's murder in your heart, right? You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. And then listen to this, prayer. Here comes prayer. You don't have because you don't ask. And you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. Okay, you ask and don't receive. You pray and don't get it. Why? Because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Now, so let's, let's what's, what's James talking about here? James is saying we all have these needs, right? You, you, you want respect, right? True. You want people to respect you. You want to be treated with respect. You want to be treated with honor. You want to be treated kindly, right? We all have those needs. You want, uh, what else do you want? Uh, you want recognition for what you do. You want um, pleasure. You want satisfaction. You want comfort. You want security, right? You want all those things. And when you don't get them, what happens? <sighs> right? Right? I mean, it could be as simple as you want to get to that place two miles away and you're in a traffic jam, right? And what happens? If you're from northwest Oklahoma, you're not used to it, right? So what happens? You get 
yet furious. I mean, I fight that. It's like, get out of my way, right? I mean, I want to get there, and you're in my way, and I'm mad, and I'm, I'm mad at you, even though I know there's nothing you can do about it, but I'm still mad that you're, you're on this planet, right? <laughs> Carry that out to you won't respect in your marriage, and you didn't get it. You're angry. You want, you want your children to honor you. You didn't get it. You're angry. Okay, so what, is, what does God say here? Well, he says, you don't have because you don't ask. Well, first of all, you don't, you don't come to God for what you need. Oh, that's, that's great, isn't it? So I won't respect. So I'm immediately turning to other people. Give it, give it, give it. No, he says, no, no, no. Turn to God. You see, okay, he's what you need. All right? You want comfort. You want security. So you're, no, no, no. He's what you need. He's what you need. Okay? But then he says, but some of you, you're turning to him, but instead of turning to him saying, God, you're what I need. I mean, do you believe that? Do you believe that he's what you need? That, that he gives the best gifts? That he is the gift? I mean, do you believe that? I, mean, I hope you do. And, and so he's saying, turn to me because he's what you need. But he's saying, but some of you are praying, but you're praying wrongly. All right, now let's work this out. So, all right. So let's say Em and I are in a quarrel, right? I've not respected her. She's not respected me. You know, we're in this fight. And so, first of all, I need to pray to God and that he would fill me up and that, you know, then I'm okay. But, but, but even if I'm praying for Emma, how should I pray for her? Should I pray this way? God, would you please fix that lady so that I would have a better life and so that, I could be happier and that I would just not be mad. And God, would you straighten her out? Because I don't like living this way and she, she just needs to do what I say. Is that how I should pray? Or would it be better for me to pray, God, please give Emma more of you, more of you. And God, please give me more of you. And God, I pray that we would just be filled up with you. Let me ask you. Does that fix our problem? It probably does, right? If we both get that, then we probably don't have any issue, right? That probably straightens us both out. Right? And, and so, so James is teaching us, you need to ask for the best thing. The best thing is God. Can, there's, there's some great prayers in the Bible. If you pick three best prayers in the Bible, I'm going to say Moses, Daniel, and Nehemiah. Okay? Um, the cool thing about all three of those, and you check this out this afternoon, Okay, so let's say you're reading Daniel 9, you're reading Nehemiah 1. When you read about their prayers, they leverage God by his own glory. Now, I use lev- the word leverage in the best possible way. Don't think they're, ah, I'm trying to move you. But, but honestly, they, they are a little bit, but for his glory. Okay, so, so when Daniel, in Daniel 9, when he's praying, God, bring back Israel Home, bring him home, bring him out of Babylon. God, we've had enough. Bring, bring him home. You know, you know how, how he prays. He says, "God, for your glory, Lord, so the nations will see that you're God, so the peoples will see that you're King, so that your name will be honored." God, bring that. He could have prayed differently, couldn't he? He could have prayed, "God, bring us back, because we hate it here. We hate the Babylonians. They dress funny and they eat." bad food and and they're they're mean and and god we want you to put it to them and pray that way it's god for your glory okay now i think what we learn here is there's times we need to adjust our prayers right 
We need to adjust them so that we're not praying for our selfish comforts, but we're praying for God's glory. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with praying for your, your comfort, but, I, but I'm saying we all things ought to be adjusted as best possible to the glory of God. Okay, so let, let's just run through some examples, some easy ones. So why do, why do you pray for the salvation of your children or your spouse? Now, now, you know, honestly, what my selfishness would say? God, please save them because I cannot bear the thought of them going to hell. Okay, now, what am I praying there, though? God, please save them so I feel better. Isn't that what I just prayed? Okay, and, and, and work that out. Okay, so work that out. What am I really saying? God, save them so I feel better, so I don't have to worry about this anymore. In other words, I don't have to pray about it anymore. I don't have to agonize over it. I don't have to, I don't have to worry. God, then I can just sit back and watch TV, and I don't have to worry about this. You see what I'm saying? Is that really a prayer that honors God? Or how about I pray this? God, save Haven. Save my daughter Haven so that she'd be a trophy of your grace. So that people would see her and they would see your son. So that she would glorify you with her words and her life all the days of her life. And God, that you would do mighty things for her. That you would reach people for for your name through my daughter Haven. That she would be a woman who speaks truth and raises up a family for your glory. That she would, God, take her to the, the ends of the earth, God, if you want to, for your name's sake and for your glory. Which one's a better prayer? That one, isn't it? Right? Right now, we're praying for lots of people, for jobs and finances. Okay, now, what should be my heart in that? Should my heart in be in that, God, please give so-and-so a good job. They had a great job, God, and they've lost it, and their family's really hurting. And God, I just pray you you give them a great job so they'd make a lot of money again. Because, God, we were going to go on that RV trip, and I want them to be able to go, you know. And we were going to miss church for like, you know, 12 weeks. And, God, it was going to be awesome. We were just going to travel around. God, would you give them a job so they can still go on that? Or, you know, is that the way we should pray? Or should we, should we pray differently, right? Should we adjust that? Lord, please give them, give them a job so they can take care of their family. And God, give them a job so that they'll, they'll have money that they might be able to give to the mission of God in the world and, and, and to help others and, to, and to, to be like you to the poor. God, please supply their need. And Lord, maybe supply it through me. Right? Isn't that a better way to pray? So are, are, you, are you seeing how there's times where we need to adjust our prayers for the glory of God. Now, now the Bible teaches us about this, by the way. It teaches us how to do this. So John chapter 15, verse 7 is a great verse. It says, it says this, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's power, isn't it? But did you hear what it said? If you abide in me, so if you're sticking, dwelling, living in Jesus and his word sticking in you, dwelling in you, abide in you, ask whatever you wish. All right? 1 John 5, 14, very similar verse. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. In other words, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to adjust our prayers. Paul did that. 2 Corinthians 12, he's got a thorn in the flesh. He's got a painful thing in his life. What does he pray? Three times. God, take it away, take it away, take it away, right? This hurts. Please get this out of my life. But then what did he come to see through his prayer, through his soaking in the word? What did he come to see? God, I've come to see that I need this, that in my weakness, I'm actually strong. That your grace is sufficient for me, for your power is perfected in weakness. Isn't that what he said in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9? And, and so, so God adjusted his prayer. Okay? He'll do that for us. That's why we need to learn to pray the Bible. You know one of the reasons that you ought to memorize? 
You notice how slickly I, I work this in all the time? You know, you, know how you, you know why you ought to memorize? So you can pray this stuff, right? I mean, I, I, that's why you ought to memorize. I was working on 1 Peter 3, 7. We're about to head there in just a second here. This week, you know, husbands, live either wives in an understanding way. Man, you memorize that. You know why you memorize it? I mean, it's truth, but you memorize it. You pray it back to God. Lord, please help me to live with Emma in an understanding way. Right? What's he doing? His word's sticking in me, and it's changing the way I pray. All right, so while we're on that topic, let's look at 1 Peter 3, 7. 1 Peter 3, 7. By the way, don't look at your clock because we're a little over and it's not going to get better, so I don't want to give you any hope, okay? 1 Peter 3, 7. All right, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel since they are heirs of you, the grace of life, so that, is everybody listening, your prayers may not be hindered. If you do not obey this, if you do not live this out, your praying will be hindered. Okay, again, last week we saw that our, our relationship with the needy, if we don't take care of that, then our prayers can be hindered. All right, but this drives it right home to marriage, and it drives it home to marriage. You know why? Because if you're married, marriage is the first relationship of the Christian life. What does that mean? Well, that means as I apply all the Bible, I apply it to Emma first, right? So when Galatians 6 says, bear one another's burdens, I don't put Emma at the end of the line. And so I'm going to bear Fred's burdens, and then I'm going to bear John's, and Peggy's, and Shelby's, and, you know, I'm going to bear Bales' burdens, and honey, if I have time for you, you come last. That's not the way it should work. I should bear my wife's burdens. I mean, I should put her at the front of the line. Okay, why? Because there is no other relationship on this earth like the marriage relationship. It is a picture of Jesus and the church, right? We know that. It's a picture of Jesus and the church. And so it's a unique relationship. And so I, I need to live in harmony with my wife. And one of the reasons I need to live in harmony with my wife is so that my prayers are not hindered. And, and listen, I don't need the Bible to tell me this because I learned this from experience. When I am sinning against my wife, I cannot pray with her. I just can't. Like if my heart's all bent out of shape and I'm angry... And, and, and I, I'm holding it against her. And by the way, when I get angry, you usually, like, you can't tell. Like, I'm not a stomper, thrower, you know, shoot things, throw cans. I'm not that guy. I'm, I'm the guy that looks like, fine, like, I'm just over washing dishes, you know. But in my heart, I'm like, you know. And nobody, but I hide it. I hide it. Well, I'm a stuffer, okay. And so, you know, and here's what I found. I, I literally, like, I can't say, hun, let's pray. Let's pray. Come here, sweetie. Let's, let's pray for Colt. Come here, honey, let's pray for Haven. Come here, honey, let's pray for Hannah in England. I can't and do not do that when I'm at odds with her. You know why? Because I'm a phony, right? I mean, it's almost like God is, man, I, here's where Isaiah 59 makes sense to me. Your sins have hidden his face from you. It's almost like God's turned away. He's like, I mean, I feel that. Like, I feel like there's no connection. Why? Because God's already told me what to do. He's already spoken. I just won't do it. So I, I understand experientially. I, I can't pray with her out loud. But it, let's take that even further. I, I don't pray by myself well either. Now I do that a little better. I try. But it, the car still doesn't start. Uh, you know, I mean the engine, the prayer engine's just, <laughs> you know. And God's just hammering me. Jason, 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 that your prayers may not be hindered. Listen, first of all, husbands and wives, you ought to be praying together. 
man, this is my broken record. I know someday you'll get another pastor and you'll be so glad that he won't hammer this all the time, you know? I ask guys every week, you praying with your wife? And they always try to fool me. Yes, I'm praying, I'm praying for her. That's not what I ask. I said, with her. Yes, I'm praying for her. With her. It doesn't matter. I'm praying for her. I, I know it's good to pray for her, but pray with her. And wives, stop making it hard, okay? Here's what wives do. They, they know, like, the commands for the husband. And so, you know, they'll, they'll pull that, you know, this is your job deal, you know? Don't do that. I, I mean, I can't tell you how many times that, you know, well, he's supposed to be praying with us, and he's not, you know? Let me add that number 75 on the list of things he's failed at in the relationship, not praying with me. Well, why? Who would want to pray with you? I mean, honestly, help a little bit. Just a little. Live with your wives in an understanding way. Literally, it means with knowledge. With knowledge. Why? You know, I love it when people come in for premarital counseling, and it's just like, it's just the deal to get it done, to get married, you know, because they already know everything, and this is going to solve all their problems, you know. All we got to do is get married, and we'll be happy ever after. I watched Cinderella. It worked, you know. I mean, that, that, you know, it's just, it's like, guys, it's going to take a lot of work. Live with your wives and understand. Man, figuring her out what what she needs, how to minister to her, how to help her seek Jesus, how to support her, how to talk with her, how to connect. I mean, gals, we don't know any of that. Not one bit comes natural. And so we got to pray. God help us. Otherwise, it's, it's effort, it's work. But the more you work at that, the more your prayers flow, the more you can connect with an almighty God for his grace and his help in time of need. Oh, we got one more. Man, I'm sorry. Um, we're late. James 1, 5 through 8. Real quickly, okay. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For that person, listen, must not suppose that he'll receive anything from the Lord. Prayer is hindered. See that? So you need to come to God in your prayer in faith. Now, what does that mean? It does not mean come to him just like believing you're going to get whatever you're asking for. Okay? That's not what it means. Yeah, I mean, I, I, can't, I can't be up here and pray, you know, $10,000 mountain bike, God, $10,000 mountain I believe I'm going to get it. I believe it's going to be in my garage. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. You know, that's not what he's saying. He, he's saying, when you come to God in faith, you come, listen, trusting that he's everything you need. God, as I, as I step before you, I'm completely convinced you are everything that I need. I'm completely convinced you give everything you won't mess this up. God, I put it in your hands, and you're, you're going to give me exactly what I need. And I'm going to follow you. Listen, if you come to God as a consultant, 
You know, God, share your opinion. No, no, I don't, I don't like that. I'm not going to do that. Think so. That's not coming in faith. When you come to God, you, you come with a blank check. And you say, God, however you solve this, however, whatever you give, whatever you tell me, whatever you instruct me, I'm yours. I'll do it. That's coming in faith. And don't we have every reason to come that way? How's he let you down? On the cross, did he let you down? Was he deficient in any of that? No, we can trust him. So come in faith. Now, folks, I, I, just, I, I do not realize, and, I, and I'm trying. I'm trying every day. I'm trying just to realize what an incredible, powerful, amazing gift it is to pray. And the power that could be unleashed there as we pray. So as we close, let's not let anything get in the way. Whatever is in the way, let's deal with it right now. Let's repent, come to the cross, let's get that taken care of. Let's be obedient. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would help us. Lord, we ask that you would just put your finger on Anything in our life that is hindering our prayer, that is hindering our, our ability to come to you with full confidence and with great, great faith. God, I pray for the ability, God, to forgive, to make right things that are wrong. God, the ability to, to do what is right even when other people aren't. God, I'm, we're really aware, God, that there's times where we can't bring reconciliation. We, we can do everything as far as it depends on us, but maybe somebody else won't. And God, those are the hardest ones. But Lord, we, we want to be faithful as far as it depends on us. And so Lord, help us. God, I pray, Father, that you would give us power, give us a desire to pray, give us a, a joy in prayer. It's in Christ we ask these things. Amen.